The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success, peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. My name is Seth David. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, guys. I'm Erica Ed. And we have an amazingly, incredibly special guest for you today. But before we get into that, Erica, I got to tell you something. I was I was in QuickBooks Online earlier today, uh-huh. and I was I, I just love the report section of QuickBooks Online. I was I was in there. I was working with the client's reports, and I was like, hey, you know what? There's I have my preset memorized reports that go automatically out to the client every week, oh, and I love favorite. that. But I was like, this, yeah. But there's some reports I don't necessarily want in that mix, but I want them kind of front and center where I can reach them quickly. And so I just starred the report I wanted and it brings it right to the top and it's it's there at cl- close reach when I need it. I, I love the new star feature. I think it's fantastic. Yep. So with that in mind, uh, check out QuickBooks Online if you haven't already. It's a great product. It's the only product we use at Nerd Enterprises in right. And now I want to bring on a special guest, somebody who I believe is intimately acquainted with QuickBooks Online, somebody who has gotten up early in the morning to be with us today because in his part of the world, it's already tomorrow, it's already 7 o'clock. Clayton, can, Clayton Oates joining with us today from QA, is it QA Financial? I should know this. I'm terrible. QA Business, Seth. We'll, we'll go with whatever there. We'll still work it out. We want. All right. Um, so anyway, Clayton, thank you so much and welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Oh, thanks, Seth. Uh, g'day, Erica. It's awesome to be here today. And I, I, I actually couldn't sleep. So I was up super early tomorrow, which is yesterday. Uh, go, I, I can't work this time thing out, but we're all, we're all in the one rock hurtling around the sun. So it, it probably doesn't really matter. We'll get there in the end. So yeah, it's just great to be here. Thanks so much for the honor and privilege to, to be on the call with you guys today. Thanks for coming on. We're happy to have you. The honor is all mine, ours, us. So Clayton, I want to, I want to, talk about, you know, you've built an impressive practice and, and all around, uh, you know, for yourself and your, and your family all around life. Nowadays, from what I can see, you're traveling all over the world, you're speaking at conferences, among other things. And I want to talk about that. But first, I'd like to go back a little bit further with you. I'd love for you to take us back to your high school years. Do they call it high school in Australia? Or is there another name? Yeah, for it? yeah. No, okay. high school. Yep. We call it high school. So what were your interests? What were you what were you like back then? Yeah, uh, wow! I got that's a that's a while ago. You know, it was uh, <laughs> three or four like five decades ago. <laughs> Come on, reliving my childhood. Well, I, I suppose I you know I grew up on a farm. Um, you know, and it, it was interesting. You know, one of the reasons I became an accountant was to uh, because I grew up on a sheep farm. And what do you want to do when you live on a sheep farm? You want to get as far as away as possible. Get away from <laughs> sheep. I was that count much. sheep a lot. <laughs> that's, you guys yeah, must- I did actually. You guys I must a, sleep really well there. Count them, <laughs> but <dip> them, <laughs> drench them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as a kid, um, it was my sister and I on, on this farm. And looking back, you know, it was, a, it was sort of a great lifestyle, you know, being out in the country. And um, you had to sort of amuse yourself because we were out of town. We were, we were sort of eight miles out from the nearest sort of 
civilization. And I had, had my dog and, you know, we, we would wander the hills, basically. So it was a sort of roaming nomadic lifestyle, I suppose, back then. Um, but it, but it, it was, uh, you know, you know it, was, it, was a, it was a great time. I had some great friends at school. Um, I was a pretty social sort of guy um, because I wasn't that smart. You know, I, I wasn't that smart at school. I prob- probably, uh, I just got through it. I was there to enjoy the time, enjoy the experience. That was my way of justifying it, I suppose. Um, and, you know, got good enough marks to perhaps then um, ha- open up a couple of opportunities. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, Mum suggested maybe you're good with maths, Clayton, so what about accounting? And, you know, I didn't know anything about accounting at all. Um, so I went to university not knowing what I wanted to do, except for mum planting that seed. Um, maybe accounting could be the thing for you. But, you know, high school, yeah, enjoyable time. Um, had, had a close group of mates, um, friendly to all, really. I, I just viewed everyone as, hey, maybe they're another one of me. Um, I think we're on the same plane here. Um, so I certainly had that mindset. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, high school was, was um, school itself was a good time. Um, home life was challenging, if, if we want to go back that far. Um, you know, I, uh, you know it, was a, it, was a, it was probably a dysfunctional family, you know, where, as we probably know today. But, um, you know, dad suffered from uh, even men- mental health conditions that I knew really nothing about in that era. Um, know a lot more about it now, that's for sure. Um, and, and have gained newfound appreciation for what he was going through. And, um, and we've talked about it since. He's lucky, to, lucky enough that he's still around, you know, with us as a family. So mum mm. was the breadwinner, really. Um, mm. I watched her work incredibly hard. Um, so I had that work ethic sort of built into me, not that I was actually a participant in working hard on the farm. I, I just wanted to get away from it all. Um, and university was sort of my escape. Um, I moved out of home at 17, uh, moved to a city, um, and really just wanted to get away from that existence. Uh, and that was sort of that out for me. So by the time you went to university, was it your plan to become an accountant? Did you know by then for sure that's what you were going to do? Yeah, well, I knew, I knew a couple of things. I knew I didn't want to become an accountant um, at you university. No, I, I actually went there thinking that this was my ticket to freedom because I could learn about business. And okay. I, I, I sort of viewed business as the... The, the vehicle uh, to enable a future lifestyle because I was incredibly lazy. Like, I still am. <laughs> I find that very hard to believe. Clay. No, it's, it's true. And, and if I can, uh, my lazy bone, you know, is, you know, just that's a big part of me. And so, and so that's where I look for, uh, you know, shortcuts, not that shortcuts really work, uh, but look for better ways of doing things. I'm self-interested in terms of freeing up time and, and, li- and creating lifestyle. Um, so, I think for me, doing accounting was trying to get that baseline understanding business, understanding finances. I knew that if I wanted to be successful in business for a long term and, and forever, I needed to get that foundation right. Um, so it, doing accounting was like ticking that box. And I thought I'd go and start my own business you know, pretty much straight away, whilst, almost whilst I was at university. Um, I looked at my parents' friends. There was a couple of families that I looked at and thought, wow, they have got it, you know, not looking back now, they didn't have it, but um, they had uh, some choices and freedom around maybe travel, um, you know, some choices as to how they live their life. And a lot of that was sort of finance driven. Um, And so I wanted to learn 
I thought, okay, they had their own business. So that was a sort of common thread. I thought, well, if you have your own business, I equated having your own business to having freedom in life. <laughs> How interesting. Um, I think, I feel like that's a fairly common thing that people do though, right? I mean, well, that's, the, that's the allure of owning your own company is you have the freedom to sort of not work and travel and, you know, not knowing right. that's maybe exactly. not necessarily the truth. Oh, I'm going to business for myself and I won't have to work. Little do they know they're going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it comes down to how do you view work? But it was, um, yeah, fascinating because that was uh, just, just my straight line thinking, right, business equals freedom. Okay. Yeah. Need my own business. What do I do to have to do that? Oh, okay, accounting's a piece in the puzzle. I need to know that. Obviously, marketing and relationship built businesses, relationships ultimately. Um, so, how can I double down on that piece? So, yeah, so I spent sort of a few years at actually university, you know, for a three year degree. It was the best five years of my life. And I just had <laughs> such a great time. Um, you know, I, I, I found my university result card the other day, actually, it was only a couple of months ago. And I, I look back and, wow, that's right. There was eight subjects that I went back for a second time. I, went back to, <laughs> I, I loved them so much. And microeconomics, it was a third time with a visit to the vice chancellor's office to say, Clayton, are you really serious about this? Because I just wanted to, hang on, I want to get on with my business. I want to have a business. Do I have to do all this? And so I, I love the social aspect of university, um, connection with people. It was, it was amazing. I, I went from a farm, you know, being a kid on my own, um, to, to having this sort of social group and, you know, finding out that the world is bigger than just, just where you grew up. So, but I, uh, and it was interesting, you know, sort of failing those eight subjects or seeing them for the second time and getting better at them, I'd like to think. Um, you know, where do you go and then get, a, get your first job? Um, actually, my first job was um, cooking cookies, Mrs. Fields cookies, and uh, I loved it. And I got to meet Debbie Fields, and she was this massive entrepreneur. And um, but then my 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 real job, if you want to call it that, was a was a position at um, one of the biggest accounting firms in the world, Price Waterhouse. They hired this guy who flunked all these subjects, <laughs> and I think I was entertaining for them. Uh, looking I love back, it. Um, I brought a bit of life to the to the room because I had nothing else to offer, basically. And that, that was a great place to start. So, okay, so you went into university not wanting to be an accountant, just wanting to go into business for yourself, but you realized learning accounting was going to be integral and critical to being able to do that. How did you end up getting an actual accounting job at Price? Yeah, look, I look back <laughs> and you, th you think there's these th thin threads, isn't there? Is this all laid out for us in advance and no matter what we do, we can't stuff it up? Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> I, don't know, I think there's a part of that. I actually, at, uh, living on campus at, at the college, at university, I got to meet a guy and, and we were talking football and Australian rules football, um, very different to uh, your NFL. Uh, no, no padding involved, you know, they're, they're tough down here, these guys. But um, he, was a, he was a supporter of a, an opposing team to my team. And it was sort of this, you know, a bit of banter between each other about, you know, how the football's going. And it turned out, that he was the recruitment manager for Price Waterhouse. There you ah. go. And, you know, if you, if you don't ask, you'll never know. So, you know, it's about meeting people and conversing with them and connecting with them. I didn't want to get him offside, but we created this bond. And he, he probably saw that I was doing accounting. He didn't drill into my academic results, uh, fortunately. Uh, but he, he, I suppose he could see that I had um, some uh, ability to connect with others and looking back that that was the thing you know if, if uh, there was a lot more smarter people around 
um, than me. In fact, almost everyone. But I, but I just had this connection and affinity. And I suppose he then saw that, look, if he can connect with me, maybe he can connect with the clients. We'll teach him the other stuff. Uh, if, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting because you talked earlier about how your sort of strength was the social aspect of things, that that was your favorite part of university. So it sounds like that was the skill that you developed that landed you into the accounting world just by a chance meeting, yeah? Absolutely. And I think looking back to, I had many years of feeling as though that was my, um, talking about strengths and weaknesses, you know, do you double down on your strengths or do you try and fix your weaknesses? And I felt this guilt for many years thinking, I've got to, I've got to learn, I've got to become a great accountant. I've got to be no tax. I have to become a great student. Well, really, in reality, I actually had to pay attention and double down on becoming a, um, a better connector. And no accounting, get that baseline and, yeah, sure, continually develop and improve and build that skill set. But it was that other piece that um, ultimately and has continued. Um, when, I've, when I've deviated from that, I've actually got off track. And so <laughs> That's bring, interesting. Yeah. It's so, refreshing uh, to hear you, you talk about doubling down on your, on your strengths because a lot of times what I hear when people talk about, you know, well, I'm an accountant, but, you know, they become very, like, apologetic about the things that they don't know instead of sort of like you're talking about doubling down on those strengths and being able, uh-huh. like, to really connect to a client. How valuable is that, you know? It's yeah, and I think that, um, like, priceless. our profession is um, – about sort of certainty, you know, about a, a clear defined result and, and life isn't. And, you know, when yeah. you're talking about knowing everything there, I mean, there's a great book. And it's one of the great philosophy books of our time and it's only been out in the last few years. I mean, I, I, I do read, read the Roman Stoic philosophy, but Mark Manson wrote that book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, and I Won't Finish the Line. Um, I, know, I know the one. <laughs> go search it because he talks in there actually about, um, you know, give up our our passion and for certainty, you know, control and everything organized. Um, and, he, and he sort of says, um, I'll paraphrase it, but it's like we're, we're all wrong about everything. <laughs> we're just, just less wrong about some things. So, you know, no matter who you are, and, and I don't care whatever status level anyone's at, we're essentially we're, we're all human beings. We, we all end up, <laughs> well, we all finish out this life you know we we have no choice over that um at coming in and going out in most cases so we're just wrong about everything so stop thinking that we are right and stop thinking that we have control and and we're entitled all those sorts of things i've had to learn from i almost like to think that there isn't just even a right and wrong sometimes because people get so caught up in being right or being wrong and the argument between the two and it's just it's so counterproductive to what we're all we're all trying to get mostly to the same place and exactly. I love this, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it I love this idea how every Sorry, we're all wrong. We're just less wrong about certain things because yeah. it really goes back to perspective, right? Because oftentimes I think I'm so certain about something until I hear a different perspective, and I'm like, oh wait, I hadn't considered that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely right? it's that, true. It's that oh, moment, true. isn't it? And uh, the oh yeah, I hadn't said a. It's awareness to know that, you know what. Why, why am I, why is this right? Um, and you talk about right and, and being real. And that's why I love the word authenticity, authentic. What a great word. I mean, it's just yep. to bring yourself back to center, you know, in terms of what's real and authentic for you, being the authentic you. I just love the way you guys have sort of the, the incorporated that word and, and dovetailed it into and with accounting. It's, it's fantastic. 
Yeah, it sort of came together kind of perfectly. You know, it was one of those things I've been having a lot of those moments the last year where it's like the first idea all of a sudden, like right away hits. And it's like, yes, that's the one. Yeah. You know, yeah. The authentic accountant um, with uh, Mike Milan, who's going to be our guest oh, actually yeah, very yeah. soon. Um, he and oh I God. sat down, had a meeting one day. And while we're talking and we're like, okay, what do we want to do? We want to do some content. We want to promote his tool. It's called the cash flow tool. And I said, why don't we do something called the cash flow show? And it was like the first suggestion and right away it was like, yes, that's it. Let's do it. So yeah. Yeah. I've been very fortunate, I think, to have been able to, you know, come up with some of these things. But I well, I mean, we, have, we get sent those messages, don't we? And often we don't pay attention or we then the first response is, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Let's look for the reasons why that won't work instead of uh-huh. actually just going with it. Right. Exactly. Right, we got to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to find out how Clayton got from Price Waterhouse to QA Business, what happened there, and then we're going to we're going to get into the whole what happened segment of our business. We've just done what it's like. Next is what happened, and then what it's like today. So let's take a quick break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit Nerd Enterprise. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to QuickBooks books.intuit.com to find out more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice America talk radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's Seth at nerdenterprises.com. Now, 
back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, so, Clayton, where we left off, you were you'd gotten a position with Price Waterhouse, clearly more based on your ability to network and connect with people than based on your accounting skills. Um, so, take us quickly through the journey from there to how did you start QA Business? Why did you start QA Business? And if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I am, of course. I don't get the impression you're too involved in the day-to-day of that business anymore. You have it kind of set up to run for you. So I definitely want to hear what that looks like and how that works and how you got there. So go. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pricewaterhouse was an awesome experience because what it actually taught me was it it was a very strong ethically based organization um, back in the 80s, early 90s, and probably still is today. Um, So it was a great platform. But after four or five years, um, I was just... It, it just, I was playing a game in that large corporate environment, you know, and I was a cog in the wheel. So I wanted to actually break out and I started a couple of small businesses on the side, I, I, but I was fearful of actually making that next step, take, making the break. And sort of the catalyst, I suppose, the circuit breaker was actually meeting my wife, Jacinta, and she lived um, a thousand miles away from me on a beautiful co- coastal location uh, where it's sunny and warm all year round. And I, I said to her, look, okay, I, I'm madly in love with you. Um, you're probably the only one that's shown interest. <laughs> and uh, I want to go where you are. And in fact, I want to get out of Melbourne. And so I moved to this little country town. And I can remember the guys at PW um, sort of saying to me, oh, you're never going to be heard of again. What are you doing? And I said, hey, I'm in love. You know, this is, this is I'm, I'm going there. And so I moved to this little town and, and I wanted to get out of accounting. And I, I actually, um, the only job I could get in this country town of, of 20,000 people, uh, and we live in a town of 4,000, but the town close by had the only jobs I could get was in accounting. So I had to go, <laughs> oh, no, I'm still in it. You and, cannot escape. I yeah. know. What is going on here? But fortunately, I actually um, went to work for a firm. It was a, it was a country t- firm, and they were in, this is 1993, and they were implementing things like value pricing, Fixed billing, you know, those sorts of things were in place. They were they were they were customers, client service centric, and um, you know, actually, what I've discovered is the Results Accounting Network built out of that. Rick Payne was a partner in the firm there, and you know, so they were actually putting into place the things that I love: the customer service piece, the client service piece, and so it was a great place to sort of put up with accounting for a bit longer. But what then happened in the in the uh, mid nineties? Our world changed, completely changed. You know, who would have thought we would have gone from paper-based systems, general ledger, journal cash books of 31 money column to accounting software. And I liked the technology. I had, a, I had an Apple IIc, you know, when I, in, back in the 80s, you know, I was onto it. And I thought, wow, wow, technology and accounting combined? I wonder if there's a business in that. And so... <laughs> This was my ticket to freedom. I had this, wow, where do I start? So I wanted to get out of accounting. I knew what I didn't want, but then I found something I did want. I could join these two together and teaching and educating clients. Wow, I get to be front-facing. I get to actually go out there and work with the business instead of just being the, the taker in the back office of whatever they delivered in and we never saw daylight. So this was so exciting. And honestly, I thought that accounting technology would be in every single small business perfectly. It'll probably take about six months in the, in the whole country. And this thing's <laughs> going to be over. I need to get onto it. So I was, I was in a hurry. And so what I did is I, I, 
I actually didn't want to give up what I'd already established. I'd established these connections. I was in a firm, but I really wanted my own business. And I'd actually, um, I, I took it to the partners of the firm. Why don't we create a division of the business that actually sets up a software advisory division? implementation, training, support, setup, and we can take this across our region, even around the country. I just thought this is the way to do it. And so to their credit, they said, yeah, go for it. Oh, okay. Um, and we'll be joint partners. In fact, in fact, interestingly, I was an employee for the first three years setting this thing up. And then I realized, oh, how do I get a piece of this? You know, but I honestly had in my heart that I trusted the firm, I trusted the partners, and I thought eventually this will work out. But I've got to go prove myself. So, I, so we put hundreds of small businesses, um, not only clients of the firm, but lots of other firms were referring business to us because we we're doing a great job. And I nice. love that Steve Martin quote about be so good they can't ignore you. And Cal Newport wrote a fantastic book on that. And it's actually how to utilize your career capital, but maybe go to what's – called The Adjacent Possible. Steve Pressfield talks about this. What's, what's near us that could take us to another level? And that's what technology for accountants, accountants that love connecting with people and, and making a real difference in their lives, technology is the catalyst, the enabler to actually create deeper connections and add more value and actually we'll get back onto building business here and why wow. we're doing it. So I'll, I, I, I just want to continue through on because I, I can remember this so vividly 25 years ago of setting up this division in the firm, then a few years later saying, how do I have a piece of this? And the, and the partners very generally, generously said, hey, that's okay, Clayton, you can buy into it now. Um, oh, okay, I'll go borrow some money and uh, this is my business. And after several more years, it was year 2000, the accounting firm got acquired by a large national group. And we sort of proofed this model and, and we had a, a half a dozen team members and you know, we, were, we felt as though we were adding real value to the clients. And I said to this group, you've now got 70 accounting firms. Why don't we do this in every single firm around the country? And to my astonishment, they said, no, we, we're not into technology. Um, we think financial <laughs> advisory is the way to go. <gasps> And I know this is my oh, no. business partner that doesn't want to go with me. So fortunately, I was able to then buy that other half of the business off the firm. A partner in the firm actually was a director of this whole board and he helped me do it. But I paid fair value for it. Um, and then I was independent. I had my independence. And so then I could go and help lots more clients work with more firms. We were, we were not the accountants. We weren't the bookkeeper but we, weren't, we were the enabler to help them create deeper connection with their clients. And then we'd work with software companies, like many people on the call today and yourselves, you know, Seth, I know you've done this, you know, it, that we actually work together, the circle of trust around small business. So 2000, had my own independent small business and everything that came along with that. And, but then a part of it too was we're talking about the model and to enable, because I wanted lifestyle. I wanted some freedom and choices going back to why yeah. I started. So how was this business going to do that? Because I, I, I was realizing that most small businesses um, don't work. The owner does. And yeah. so I didn't want to be the owner does. And so it was about putting in systems. It was about actually getting my ego out of the road that I had to be the one and I was the only one that knew all the answers. Well, we documented answers to all the questions we ever got. You know, for QuickBooks, for example, um, we, over, we just made a commitment. Every Friday, I'd write a hints and tips on how to get more out of QuickBooks. And this was before video, really. And so we built up a library. I did it for 551 weeks. And so that was wow. 551 questions 
and we documented the answer as the QA way because that gave me leverage. Now, Richard Branson talks about the small busyness trap, essentially. You know, a lot of people in business go, accountants, for example, we're specialists. You know, we look, we're solution providers. We go straight to the solution. Well, I wanted to build a business. So to do that, you had to build a team. The team would then look after the clients. The clients would then look after the business or be part that build the business. And the business then would look after the owner. And so that's, that's how it went, you know, and, and I, was, I was all about gaining leverage. How could I gain leverage? If I'm prepared to do something today that would gain me in the future and buy back time, buying back, buy time was our sort of tagline. How could I invest now to buy back time in my life? The, that, that incredible commodity that, that is just, you know, is finite. Wow. Yeah. And so that was leverageable systems. So we're looking at recurring business. And there's types of income, isn't there, in our, in, our, in our accounting and bookkeeping businesses or any business for this matter. I then broke out my profit and loss as to what are my types of income? What are my active lines? What are my, my recurring? What are my recurring um, passive? And what are my recurring active? And so look at the different types of income and, you know, things like subscription revenues and, and your own subscriptions. And then you've got recurring passive. And we wanted a fair mix of that, but you don't want all of that, mm. it, particularly if there's um, controllable and non-controllable. Someone else is controlling the recurring passive. You know, you need your own good percentage of recurring passive. This is a whole other session, you know, which I'm right, trying to right. drilling down on how to teach people this. So you built a business that essentially runs itself. It sounds like you did that by putting the right team together of people who can run it for you, right? And well, there was the, the team changed. You know, there's people, processes, and technology. Uh, right. The, the individuals will always move on and change. Right, but you've got the system. So if somebody leaves, you can put somebody else in there, and they can get into the system and pull the levers that need to be pulled and and make it keep running. So right. along the way, there, I have to imagine that. There, I mean, there had to be obviously some struggles, right? We all hit roadblocks along the way. And, and there'll be people who will be listening to this podcast and wondering, should they quit and go back and get a job, right? So tell us about the hardest thing you experienced in your entrepreneurial journey. Was there ever a time when you thought you might have to throw in the towel and go work for someone else again? Uh, yeah, there's a list. <laughs> it continues sometimes, actually. It was, it, it, you know what? It's actually sometimes about our expectations. Um, if we've got these expectations that aren't being met, um, what I try to do is switch it out to appreciation. Look, at it, and and what happens is, um, the, the probably the first one was the fear of the the overcoming the inertia and fear of starting in the first place. Um, and that's why I probably talked about using your career capital and working. If you're working with a firm, if you're a if you're a um, you know a young person or anyone in a firm that's Spot the opportunity for that firm. You don't have to leave the firm um, because that's sort of an easy next step. So it was overcoming inertia. I, I wanted my own business, but it took me literally 10 years to have the confidence to actually back myself in. And my wife, Jacinta, was, you know, she's my rock. You know, she, you can do it. You can do it, darling. You know, and I was reading all the books and everything else, but I, it was just this roadblock. And I learned to sort of probably um, overcome the inertia, but then dance with the fear and just the fear is not going to disappear, but, but dance with it. Um, there's then been other times when we've had this tectonic shift in our industry or in our profession. Cloud, you know, here we are. We've built a desktop-based database of businesses over, you know, 10, 15 years and think, wow, this is the future. I can see this because we're thinking, auto, you know, systems. And then the cloud comes along and suddenly belts you up the side of the face because that wasn't the plan that we were on. That wasn't the path we were on. And so we had to 
change. We had to ad adapt and adopt, um, which was vital because we, we started to think about ourselves. We started to think, oh, I've got this model right. This is what I wanted. But we forgot about actually helping others and, and doubling down on actually making a difference to others. And so that's uh, where I started to think about, and we talk about lifestyle. Lifestyle isn't the end goal. You know, I, I thought it was. I thought it was about actually, ah, oh, this is what I want. I want the recurring income. I want time. I want freedom and choices. Yeah, I wanted that. I got a family of five children. You know, I wanted time with them. This is the most precious time to have with them when they're, they're younger. But beyond achieving your own lifestyle, which is incredibly selfish, really, is actually about contribution and growth. And so then we then go, oh, aha, another aha moment. And I'm sure there's more to come. So, there's, there, so there was times when um, you've got, you lose your biggest clients, for example. And if you haven't lost them yet, it's going to happen. And you want that to happen as quickly as possible. You know, that, and then it'll happen again. And I so, lost my two biggest in a two-month period and, yeah. and, and half of my annual revenue with that in the same two months years ago. And it's the universe telling you something, really. You know, hey, Seth, I believe in you. <laughs> you can know it's true. It's true because what I learned from that, and I already knew it, but I had to go through it in order to come out the other side. I had too many eggs in too few baskets. That was a big lesson I learned. And I knew it by the time it happened, but I was powerless to do anything about it. So it was the universe doing for me what I couldn't do for myself by taking those clients away. It seemed devastating in the initial moment, but ultimately I knew it was what had to happen because it gave me the chance to rebuild it the right way. And as long as those clients were clients, they were eating up too much of my resources, so I had no opportunity to be able to rebuild the way I needed to. So what looked like it was devastation was actually my hands being freed up to make the room I needed for what I really needed to be doing. And I hear um, bookkeepers and even accountants talk about this or consultants here. Oh, that's my bread and butter. Well, if you've got a lot of bread and butter, you're going to be eating bread and butter for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and so why not step it up a little bit? And, you know, I love that uh, Tony Robbins quote, he talks about life's not happening um, to you, it's happening for you. So we need to look, well, why yeah. is it happening? What, what was my gain out of this? Oh, not why was me, you know, this is, and you're going to have your best team members leave. You know, that's, that's, that's sometimes that's the thing that's a handbrake for Erica, you didn't hear that. You were, you were never allowed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just not allowed to go. Uh, lifer. But, <laughs> we're so, going to need to talk yeah. about a partnership then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oops i've opened something i mean um, <laughs> but that's it you know isn't it like you want them to leave and we've all come from somewhere else haven't we we've all started somewhere yeah. and left somewhere and gone on you want them to leave so much better or thankful that they were part of it yeah to start with and we've had a couple of people that have left and come back they left again you know the retreads i suppose some people would say that but look mm -hmm. because hey we'd love to have you back you know life changes we're at, Give up the control. Somebody you know. said to me once that the, the, when one door closes, another door opens. But it's the time in the hallway that sucks. <laughs> and yeah, that's the time when you don't know what's next. But whatever yeah. it is is coming, and you're going to be fine. Whether that's team members leaving, whether that's losing the big client, whatever that is, just remember that that time in the hallway is limited. Yeah. And then yeah, next door is going to open. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Great analogy. Right. All right. We're going to take another short break. So we've talked about what it was like. We've talked about what happened. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what it's like today. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to Quick books.intuit.com to find out more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. That's Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm here with Erica. I'm here with Clayton. We're having an amazing conversation. And where we left off at the end of the What Happened segment, which is segment two of the show, we were talking about, Clayton was talking about, you know, getting the freedom. Clayton, I love what you said about how you realize at a certain point that it can't just be about my own goals, dreams, and visions for myself, but it has to be about what's the contribution. And then we get the freedom as kind of the reward for doing that. And I got to say, one of the things you talked about how, you know, things shifted again, we went to the cloud and what Erica and I have been able to leverage so much with what we've been building at Nerd Enterprises is our ability to create our own freedom. First of all, we create freedom for the client because we take a lot of stuff off their hands. And what Eric and I have been working really hard on for about two years now or a little more is building systems to automate as much as possible. And a lot of people, I think, get under the impression that automating things is somehow inhuman. But actually, no, you automate to be human. You automate to free up the time 
so that I can be human, so that I can have more time to work with my clients and be strategic and spend time going face to face with them in a Zoom call, right? And because I talk to so many bookkeepers and accountants, like, oh, I don't have time to do that. And my my thinking is, if you don't have time to meet with your clients and go through the strategic side of things, then you're not doing what we're supposed to be doing by working in the cloud and leveraging all these technologies that enable us to automate as much as we can possibly. Anything that can be automated should be automated so that I can focus on the human part. Clayton, that was your greatest strength you shared with us earlier, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's, um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a great way of putting it. I mean, that so if you just want to think in terms of, um, I love, there's, there's a great book called The Go-Giver. Um, Bob Berg and John David Mann wrote it. And they talk about these five laws of success, I suppose, is the terminology they use, whatever, how you define success. But one of them is um, the law of adding value. And, you know, your, your compensation or your remuneration or what you get is in direct proportion to the value that you add and the quantity of people that you can add that value to. Mm. And so... How can if, and I see this with with you know, a lot of the bookkeepers are just so passionate and they, and they are connected with their small business clients until they don't think then they want to grow. But then what happens is the more businesses you get on board, it start if you don't have that system and processes in place to um, enable um, growth to actually uh, not choke you and weigh you down. And then so what happens is then people start to feel as though well now I'm not actually delivering on that value and that value piece might have been that simple conversation that time that, that being present and it starts to undermine our core values and so mm. we need to pay attention to this big time because otherwise you'll you'll create a business i mean there's three 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 types of businesses i suppose you can create you can you can create a business to um sell to offload and that can be your end goal purpose um you, what about creating a business to keep you know, if it's fulfilling and, but, but then what I see a lot of people do is they create businesses that they resent and they're neither, <laughs> mm. neither doing either, you know, and so, and that, that actually impacts then it's a downward spiral. So I have a variation on that theme that I like to uh, talk about, especially when I'm talking with the clients and I'm especially a new client. I'm trying to figure out what their goals are. Like, do you want to retire on this business or do you want to sell it? And my, my thought is, Create a business that you would want to buy. Right? <laughs> Love it. Because then you're covered either way. It's it's then it's something you can retire on, or it's something that some if you want to buy it, if you've if you've authentically created a business that you would want to buy, chances are someone else going to want to buy it too. If that's what your end game is, right? That's right. Because you're no, you're the number one investor. Would I keep this <laughs> right in that business? And speaking purely from an accounting strategy that follows from that, that I like to look at with my clients, because how many clients have we worked with Clayton and Erica who suck all of the profits out by taking out distributions, right? Yeah. And and we have, I love my friend Mike Michalowicz. He's written Profit First, and, and he puts a lot of emphasis on focusing on the profit side of things. <coughs> and his, his, his I love his formula because he says, what is it? Um, uh, revenue minus profit equals expenses, mm -hmm. right? That's his formula. Basically, yeah. Again, underscoring how important it is we take the profits, we keep them first, then we worry about the expenses. So I like to, and I wrote an email newsletter not long ago about this, and he gets my emails and he wrote back something like, like I want to have your baby. It was really funny what he wrote back <laughs> because of what I'd written in it because I made this point and it comes on the heels just to recap what we're talking about of you know thinking in terms of building a business that I would want to buy, that hopefully somebody else might want to buy if that was my goal, is to 
not just take profit first, that's important, but retain the profits, which means strategy-wise, I want to build the equity section of the balance sheet of my client's books because that's what's going to make the company look attractive to an investor is having a boatload of equity on the balance sheet because that's something worth buying. Well, I love that uh, sort of uh, uh, the word that runs around my head is quarantining the profits. You know, we've quarantined them. They're, they're actually there. I mean, in our business, live, we live frugally. Um, you know, we, we, the business was my baby. You know, I had to feed it, nurture it, um, keep it alive, sustain it. It's going to require perhaps more as it's, as it's growing. Um, and so we, for us personally, and I think this is one of, you know, Benjamin Franklin sort of talked about this. Nothing's new here, but just actually um, – you know, reinvest. And that's not saying to have a, you know, a complete lazy balance sheet. Um, but I think I'd, I'd rather err on that side than, than rip it out and then having to um, refund my growth. So for us, we retained all our profits for the last 15 years. They're all still in there. That's and amazing. so it just, what it does mentally, it just frees up. It just gives you this, wow, like, okay, everything's okay. I could all that's my I could always touch that. But then what happens is you build resilience in this habit that I don't need it. You know, I, yeah. or what it does actually when someone else is if you might look at investments, for example, and they go, you think of a financier that goes, Wow, you're doing that? I am backing you in. And that's what actually it enables you then to leverage off that without even necessarily touching it and opens up other opportunities and that you can enter into that starts then to self-perpetuate. Right. It's incredible. I, I love, you just reminded me of something I watched recently in a video that I was watching on YouTube from like a financial planner guy. Cause I'm always curious to listen to other people's strategies. I learned so much from doing that, you know, which is the first way that I often say to myself, Seth, you don't know everything. You know, you still have a lot to learn. And I sort of forced myself to remember that by learning from others, by listening to what others have to say. And I forget the guy's name. Cause I was just kind of surfing around on YouTube, watching different videos. But he talks about how traditional financial planners will tell people, you know, cut back, cut your expenses. A lot of businesses think that way. And he's talking about how that's a minimalist mentality. When you start thinking in terms of cutting back, that's what you're doing. You're cutting back. And that's going to happen all the way around. But if you instead you look at ways of getting more efficient – right? To again, free up resources so that I can increase and expand, right? We want a mentality of expansion, not retraction. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the key. That's what I just heard from you. Well, and that abundance mindset, isn't it? You know, there's two things you can do. What what can you do? You can, to to, uh, enhance the bottom line, you could reduce the uh, expense circle. And that only goes so far because there's a baseline that you have to have to actually have oxygen in your business. Or you could expand the income circle. And right. so, you know, the income circle is, is abundant. And I, th- I think this is the, uh, the thing, like you talk about um, a client, let's say you've, you've put them on a software system. Okay, great. That's base camp. What else is there? You know, what are the other half a dozen? And this is deleveraging your business because you've got multiple in- income streams, multiple services. Um, you've got a skill set that, uh, you, you know, that, that you're qualified to, to deliver with. Um, you know, instead of chasing the next, uh, you know, I'm going to create this incredible sales funnel that brings in another 500 people. Well, okay, uh, what about if you've got the existing 100 and there's five other services? Because it starts to build add value and, and fulfillment, you know, continues that connection. Now, I think there's a balance in both of those. Right. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, uh, yes, it's definitely the way I viewed it. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Erica, what are your takeaways from this so far? Oh, I mean, there's, there's so much, you know, this, um, I don't even know where to start. I'm still, I'm honestly, I'm still kind of absorbing all of it. <laughs> okay. I love the quote, the, you know, the Zig Ziglar, one of my heroes, you know, he's got this quote is um, when he, when he used to talk on stage, he'd say, I'm a bit like a cross-eyed discus thrower. You know, I might, <laughs> records, I might not set any records, but man, I keep the crowd alert. You know, so. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So, you know what? I want to spend our last few minutes then. I think we have, well, actually, no, we still have some time. Um, I want to talk about Clayton, when you and I met, I'm not sure what part of your journey you were at then, but I'll never forget the day. It was my very first uh, speaking engagement at the Sleater Conference, and I was talking about social media, and it was still a lot newer then. It wasn't totally new, but it was a lot newer then than it is now, especially in terms of how businesses were using it. And I remember it was called, you know, it's a program of attraction rather than promotion. Mm. And I talked about actually what we were talking about earlier today with Jay Bear, and he, he wrote a book called Utility, which was, I think, out around then also. And it was exactly what I was doing, which is I'm going to go out there and create content that's useful and valuable to people, and I'm going to give it away for free. And because I know that among the people who are going to take it and use the free stuff and never need to hire me for anything, there will be that smaller group of people who will say, holy cow, you know, if this is what this guy's doing for free, you know, what's he got to offer beyond that? And I knew that it would bring it, bring about a certain amount of people who would pay for the business. And to this day, I still get calls from people from videos I was producing back then even yeah. and, and calling and asking for help. So it's really like you mentioned the book, the go giver, it's really about a giving mentality and having that. And it's funny, I got an email this morning from somebody where the title was something like how to make sure you're not giving away too much for free. And it's like, no, 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 don't write that email. Yeah, yeah. Back. You know, yeah. you can't give away too much for free. Jay actually has a video that I watched that where he talks about how um, uh, Geek Squad, Best Buy, were mm -hmm. doing content that taught people how to do like things in their home network. And somebody had asked the guy, you know, something along the lines of why would you do that? That's how you make your living and you're give, they're not going to need you now. And he said, the best way that we make our living is from people who think they can do it themselves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think that's so true. Like if somebody can take what I'm giving away for free, then let them take it. Well, you're certainly, yeah. You are not giving it away for free. It comes back to you in bucket loads. And, yeah. you know, it, this is um, going back to Zig Ziglar. You know, I, I remember in my 20s, you know, the foundation of my business was if I'm going to create a business, I want to live by what he actually said. And if you help enough other people get what they want, you will get what you want. Yeah. yeah. And it's in that order. I've tried it the other way around. It doesn't work, you know. <laughs> and so it, it just add value. What what could I give them? What can I still give them? Software yeah. companies, you know, I do, I've done a lot of work with software companies over the years thinking if I was the CEO of this company and I know what the field and the market and the audience actually wants or I felt as though I knew and I, as, as I know we're wrong about everything, but, <laughs> you know, what could I suggest to them? I've thought about it. Or let's say you take a problem or a challenge. You know, we're, as, an, as a professional in industry and accounting technology, we are experts at problem spotting. We can find why something doesn't work. You know, we can spot that, hey, this is busted. This, this is broken. I found how to break your software. <laughs> you know, I'm the expert. But what if you then said, look, I've found this challenge. 
And I've thought about two to three ways that you can fix it. Right. And, and so never take a, a problem to someone without two or three solutions because you haven't thought of them. You're adding no value. Any, everyone can spot the challenge. Yeah. Bring a, bring a solution. I, I like that. And I think that people are so quick to find the problem and not offer the solution. Just the same people uh, that I forgot what I was going to say. I had it. I had it right there. <laughs> um, It'll come back. It's still so there. I, 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 I want to share and I want to give an example of what we're talking about. You know, that underscores it. Quickly. And Erica, if it comes back to you, just cut me off. So I remember a couple of years ago, I was coached not to give away the solution. I was coached by somebody who was watching an email exchange where somebody had asked a question about how to do X, Y, and Z, whatever it was. I don't remember. The real important part was my, in my response, I said, you need to use this import tool so you can import data into QuickBooks and get it done really quick. And I told him what the tool was. I said, here, go check it out. And this person I was working with at the time saw that and he said, he was mad at me. He says, you should never have given that away. You should have made them pay you to get that information. And I'm like, no, that's not how I do this. That's not how I roll. You know, mm-hmm. Let them, if they can go figure it out on their own and I've given them the, the information. We, Eric and I talked about this earlier today. That's what they're going to remember about me. They're going to remember that I was the one who was helpful, who helped them when they had a problem they needed solved. And I'm the one they're going to think of either, A, when they need somebody again, or when they're talking to somebody who has a problem, they're going to say, oh, you know what? That Seth David, that nerd enterprises guy, he was really helpful. You should talk to him. And I can't Absolutely. tell you how many calls I get every day that where they start off by telling me a, a version of that story. Yeah. Yeah. That's... um. You know, but if the thing is, this isn't about being selfless and just, um, you know, totally for um, giving the, to the point of wearing yourself out either. You know, you do need to um, <coughs> know what, what, what other value and solutions and what's the, you know, what, what you're going to actually be able to deliver. Um, I'm glad you that. said that because here's where I draw the line there. I, what I, the, the, the content that I give away, the free help that I give away are, is on my terms. I produce videos. I produce blogs. I put them out there. They're free. What I won't do, what I don't have the time to do, what I can't afford to do because it's taking away from my family here at home is I can't spend an hour on the phone with somebody who hasn't paid me for that kind of consult. There's real value in there. People ask me, hey, Seth, how, how do I make a million dollars a year? And my answer very simply, and most people don't like it, is – contribute a million dollars worth of value and you'll make a million dollars. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You give and you get. Yeah, exactly. And you give what you get, what you give, period. So anyway, we are just about out of time here. So this has been the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Uh, Erica is my co-host. Clayton, you have been an amazing guest. It's always wonderful to see you and get the chance to talk to you. I'm glad I did this podcast just because it gave me a reason to talk to you today. Yeah, and no, I might thanks, not have buddy. had an opportunity to do otherwise. Well, thanks so much, Seth. Thanks, Erica. Um, it's about being authentic. And there's an Aussie term called fair income, which is about being real, being true. So if you ever hear an Australian say, look, you're fair income, mate, um, that means you're authentic. So, uh, yeah. It. Thanks for, thanks for you know, allowing me to be on the – and just sharing the time with you guys you know, is, is awesome. Love yous. Thank Love you, it. Clayton. Thank you, Clayton. Thank you for tuning in. New episodes of the Authentic Accountant Podcast are heard every week on the Voice America Business Channel and on your favorite podcast site. Please join Seth David and Erica Ed again soon for another edition and another complete story of success.
The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com.